Welcome back to Pulp Friction. It's a show about what divides us. My name is Rocky and Simone's name is Simone. How's it going, Simone? It's going good. Um, I'm having a good day. I just got a Gengar backpack. He arrived today. He's a wonderful boy. He's shaped like a friend. I'm super excited. We love to see it. I am uh, back from a New York trip. I went for the weekend, had, uh, had some good times. And, oh, I didn't uh... know you were here. <laughs> <laughs> there were a number of people I didn't get to see. I didn't get to see my brother. So that'll, that'll give you an idea of how busy I was. But cool. uh, I, I, I had some good times and now I'm back and I stayed home for work today because I was feeling a little under the weather, but I've, I've been tested and I'm, I'm going strong. And we are going to talk about music's biggest night, the Grammys, the 64th Grammy Awards, which aired last night. Um, yeah. Might as well get right into it. We're going to, before we get into the show, we're just going to talk about some of the red carpet fashion looks. So I wanted to do like a quick little rundown of my top five best and top five worst Grammys looks. I don't know whether you want to start with the good and then go to the bad or start with the bad and then go to the good. Uh, Let's uh, start with the good. Let's start with the good. Okay. So I will say there were a lot of like good looks at this Grammys, but I will say my tied for like my number one are Halsey and Tinashe. That's the correct pronunciation. I was saying Tinashe for like years and years and I only like just learned the correct pronunciation. I absolutely love both of these looks for a different reason. Um, Halsey wore this really cool Roberto Cavalli gown and this really interesting black head hat piece. Um, I got that mixed up, the little black headpiece hat. And I just think they looked really, really cool. And it was a really unique look and it flattered them really well. And this is something I'm going to get into later, but apparently because the Grammys were in Vegas this year, a lot of stylists had difficulty finding tailors in time Mm. for the Grammys that were in Vegas. This was something that was reported by page six. And so there were a lot of Grammys outfits that just did not fit the stars very nicely. And this is not the case for Halsey's. She looks absolutely fantastic. And they also have like a really nice, like dark red lip on that matches like this dark red velvet bustier. It's just my favorite. It looks super cool. It's like both very old Hollywood and very modern. And I'm a big fan of it. And my other top favorite, like my other absolute top favorite look was Tinashe's pink latex GCDS gown, which was just like, so fun and cute but also so cool i love latex as a fabric for this sort of thing it adds such like an interesting edge to an outfit and i love the contrast of this really cutesy pink mermaid gown with a big pink bow on the back but it's latex. it was so cool i liked it a lot and i thought it was a really cool outfit absolutely and um, my other favorite outfits really quickly were Lil Nas X in Balmain. He wore this really cool white pearled suit with a butterfly on the front. I thought it was like super cool and fun and kind of springtimey. And he always looks great on the red carpet. So I really liked this. Um, Rachel Zegler wore a Dior um, haute couture gown. She looked super cute. It was a gray tulle gown. I liked it a lot more than I liked her dress at the Oscars, though to be fair, she only had like three days to find that. But I just think she looks really nice. And I thought it was a really pretty gown on her. 
and I, sorry, I have like a couple more and then we're going to talk about the stinkers. Okay. Um, Billy Porter and Valentino, Billy Porter wore an amazing hot pink, um, long shirt with kind of a train and pants. And he just looked so cool. Billy Porter always wears like amazing stuff. And I am always a big fan of what he wears. Doichi wore this really cool black tulle Mansori gown. It reminds me a lot of Giambattista Valli, who's one of my favorite designers. And I will say, I did see a bunch of people on social media who didn't like it, but I think she looks great. Um, and she also had a really cool long red ponytail that I think went with the dress really well. And my last favorite outfit was Michelle um, Zoner. Is it Zoner or Zoner from Japanese Breakfast? Um, she wore a really cute Valentino haute couture um, yellow mini dress. And it's this really interesting dress that reminds me a lot of the dress Rihanna wore to the Comme des Garçons Met Gala. And it mm. also reminds me a lot of the Comme des Garçons designs in general, because it's got this really interesting sort of sculptural design on it. And I think she just looks really adorable. She's got her hair up in these little space buns. She looks very springtime. It was very cute. I liked it a lot. And now, unfortunately, it, it's time for the bad looks. Okay. There were only a few that stuck out to me as being like especially bad. Mm -hmm. um, I am not the world's biggest fan on Justin Bieber. Sure. But putting that aside and approaching him completely neutrally, I absolutely hated his and Haley Bieber's outfits on the Grammys red carpet. He wore a, a giant oversized Balenciaga suit and it was like, if David Byrne was not actually cool at all and was instead a 16-year-old boy dressed up in his dad's tuxedo, it, it just, it, it doesn't work. I, I love oversized suits so much, but it just doesn't work on him. And he really looks like a little boy. playing. Here's my up. thing. Here's my thing. I think the suit works, but the hat kills it. Oh yeah. I think the hat and sunglasses might've really <laughs> like, the, the hat and sunglasses gives it- I like the sunglasses too. <laughs> okay, never mind. For, for me, it's just like he could have done like a like like a whole pulled. He could have had like a really pulled together thing. I think mm -hmm. the shoes work with the suit. I like the sunglasses, but I just think that the 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 hat is it's weird. It's it's so like striking on its own, and like there, if, if he was wearing like streetwear, it would look normal. But like yeah. with the suit, it feels like that's the whole statement, and then it just tears the whole thing down. Something that I notice a lot about Justin Bieber is that he really wants to come, he seems to really want to come off very cool and edgy. And to me, whenever he does stuff like that, it always just makes me think of that Kate McKinnon SNL sketch where she pretends to be him in a Calvin Klein ad and like rolls around trying to be super sexy, but it just comes off as like really weird and immature. Like mm -hmm. that's what this reminds me of. It's just like, it makes me sad because I like oversized suits a lot and this could have been a really cool look, but it just he looks like a little boy playing dress up. Sure. And Hailey Bieber, her dress is fine. Like from a design standpoint, it's just like a plain pale pink dress. But this is one of the victims of the lack of tailors. You can like, it, it does not, it, it, it flattens her across her chest and like really hugs her stomach. And it just doesn't flatter her body at all, which is sad because she's a very beautiful woman. And the dress itself is fine. It, it just doesn't flatter her. And I, 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 I felt, I, I feel like putting them first, it's going to be like, I'm, I'm putting them first because I don't like Justin Bieber, but objectively, I don't like these outfits, regardless of who's wearing them. And sure. in terms of this, this one like genuinely hurt me to do. 
Um, someone who I absolutely love so much was my favorite celebrities who I put on the worst dressed list, Megan Thee Stallion and Roberto Cavalli. I did not like this dress. It's this like one-shouldered leopard print with gold trim and also tiger print trim dress. And I love Megan so much. She looks beautiful. The dress just looks like a Carol Baskin costume. It like, it's like Carol Baskin goes to the Oscars or something. And I, I loved what Megan wore to the Oscars like last week. She wore a beautiful blue sculptural dress. She looked fantastic. I liked what she changed into with her bit for Dua Lipa, um, the Versace bit with Donatella. I liked that a lot more than this, but I just, Megan is such a beautiful woman and this dress is just like, it looks like a like a $20 party dress on her. And it just like, I, I love her and she deserves better than this dress. And um, my final worst dress was Carrie Underwood in Dolce & Gabbana. Um, I also like Carrie Underwood. She, I think she's a great singer. However, she has this like yellow ball gown that is, it just, it like, I, oh God, I'm like having a hard time articulating why I don't like this, but it has a big satin skirt that's very bunched up in the front. And it, instead of like having kind of a beautiful ombre effect, which is I think what they were going for, it just kind of looks like the bottom like half of the ombre got dirty like she like walked through a puddle mm -hmm. and she also maybe it's just this photo because to be honest a lot of the Vogue photos were not great because I got these off of the Vogue website she like looks like she's like smiling with her teeth and she's like fake smiling and she does she just I liked the dress that she wore for her performance later in the night a lot more than I liked this but uh, this I was just not crazy about. And I did also write down Addison Ray and her boyfriend, um, Omer Fetty, not necessarily because their outfits were so bad, but both of them, their hair was just like completely crispy, dried out. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was so noticeable, even from far away, you, I could like see like, oh, this is like really dyed over processed hair. And it also just like, they spent the whole red carpet like making out with each other. And <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry, I can never get on board with that. I think when court, the Courtney Kardashian and Travis Barker, the Megan Fox and MGK, all that shit where they're just like basically fucking on the red carpet. I just, I don't like it. Yeah. I think it's tacky. Yeah, I think I did think that the uh, the Addison Ray dress is uh, was one of the weaker ones to yeah. me. <laughs> it, it also doesn't fit her very nicely. It's a I love the design. I love like silk slip dresses. I think they're really pretty, and I think this would have fit her a lot more nicely if they had given it a few more fittings. It just needed some more alterations. I do like his suit though. I do think it is kind of cool. Yeah, I like how his jacket is like it's like two pieces and they're like buckled together. It's, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's all for the fashion. Um, I could, I can theoretically go into this in a lot more detail. I'll like write something up about it on my Twitter if anybody wants that. But um, that's really all for the fashion, I think. Sure. I'm just gonna, I'm just looking through the uh, Harper's Bazaar gallery, seeing if there's anything, any other outfits that I think are worth talking about. Oh yeah. Um, I like this scissor dress a lot. The floral uh, with the yes. yeah. <laughs> I, I that was that was one that I had like was going back and forth on whether or not to include but I, I it the one the way that I like decided what ended up making the cut was like what really jumped out at me when I looked at it and I did really like hers but for some reason it just didn't like strike me as intensely as some of the others mm-hmm
I, I would definitely say uh, Brandy Carlisle was one of my favorites. Yeah, that was a really cool suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, just great, great stuff. Uh, L King with the big, the big pink hat and the. Oh, yeah. I thought that was really fun. I, yeah. I loved how much pink there was on the red carpet. Everyone, there was so much pink. Everyone was wearing pink stuff. Justin Bieber's little pink hat was very stupid, but it was pink. And I do have to give it, it was pink, for being yeah. pink. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, speaking of, I I feel disappointed by by BTS's red carpet look. I feel like they usually show out a little more than they did here. Yeah. I I didn't I I did like it. I thought they were nice suits, and I enjoyed that they all had like little details connecting them. I thought that was like a really interesting thing, and that like I get that it's like they're all very coordinated. I do think that maybe they were trying to like be a little bit more subdued, maybe, mm. and like not grab as much attention but i don't i don't know what their stylists are thinking so yeah i i like the saint vincent dress a lot oh yes um the that's one of the dresses from a really recent gucci collection and i love that line so much um jessica chastain wore a really beautiful sort of purple and orange gown from that same line at the oscars last week i just think it's a really cool line and i love these long sparkly dresses with the feathers at the end it's super cool yeah great like old hollywood kind of looks here for sure mm -hmm. gaga was very old hollywood at yeah. grammys i did really like her gown as well but i it it was a little bit plain which is why i didn't end up including it because for me anything that's like a little weird automatically gets more points in my book yeah i agree <laughs> i'm the same way I like the I like the corsage on Phineas's suit. The rest oh, of it yes. is kind of fine, that, but I like I like the big weird flower. Yeah, that was that was one of my um that was one of the menswear looks that I enjoyed more. I I a lot of there there were a lot of plain black suits because there's always a lot of plain black suits. I did enjoy Jack Harlow's plain black suit though. I thought it was nice. It was all right. Uh, Lenny Kravitz <laughs> with, with some classic <laughs> stuff here. I loved. Got <laughs> we got the the fucking chain mail top 10 chains uh skin tight leather pants that like sort of go into leather boots with the heels great stuff he looks so good i like <laughs> he's such a beautiful man absolutely uh yeah i mean i don't know if i could comment on this as an outfit but johnny mitchell with the with the with the beret and the fun pants that she's got the sweater on that's nice yeah her always always shows out for sure yes i uh, the the um with the jumps yeah the yellow jumpsuit with the wings yes she kind of gives a lot of like very 70s e looks and this is this is so diana rosk-esque which i just you give me a little diana i'm there i'm there for it yeah. all the time every day Absolutely. I, I, I had just gotten to uh, Jared Leto in the slideshow. Oh. <laughs> and then the mic cut out because... Ugh. It was the dark powers of Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> I, ugh, I can't fucking stand Jared Leto. Ugh. He looks dumb as hell. I'm sorry. <laughs> He looks dumb as hell. <laughs> the fucking furry cuffs on this coat. <laughs> I don't know why he was a presenter. I also hated seeing him next to Olivia Rodrigo when he gave him her award. I was just like, if he touches her, I'm going to teleport to the Grammys and slap him Will Smith style. You yeah. do not put your hands on that little girl in front of me. 
absolutely. The show started, it was in Vegas this year, which was a, a, a new one, as we talked about. And it started with a big, uh, fun performance by Silk Sonic. Yeah, it was a good performance. I I really enjoyed it. Obviously, they both have like amazing voices. I especially love Bruno Mars's voice. It's just like, mm-hmm. they were. it was just a very fun performance to watch. And it was a good way to open up the show, I think. Absolutely. Uh, a very good choice to start. Uh, I, if I was going to go through my favorites, which I probably will at the end, it probably wouldn't be like at the top. There were a lot of great performances uh, at the show, but like, yeah, great, great note to start out on. Uh, Trevor Noah does a little monologue, uh, very, very quick. <laughs> it, it seems like on the one hand, they're like, like a lot of this show was like going quickly. And that's something that a lot of award shows have been doing to like try and try and keep things moving. Uh, but it also seems like they were kind of trying to like format it in a way where like it's a monologue, but it's not like a, like a, like an entire monologue. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I was, I watched the Grammys live and one of the things that like drove me insane is it felt like I was watching more commercials than I was watching of the actual award ceremony. There were yeah. so many commercial breaks and I also... I wished like some of the performances, I wish they had gone on longer and incorporated more songs. And, and I feel like if they had cut down on the amount of ad breaks, maybe they would have been able to present some more of the awards. Yeah. There, uh, a, a couple weird decisions. Um, like, I, I mean, I watched the like VOD of the show and it was two hour, two and a half hours. I think with commercials, it was three and a half hours. So <laughs> literally a whole fucking hour of ads. You hate to see it. Um, but yeah, some some weird programming stuff in terms of giving out. Uh, let me count them, actually. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine awards. <laughs> give out nine awards out of like 90 <laughs> during yeah, the show. I would have really liked seeing more people accept their awards. I like seeing the speeches. I, I like seeing people, you know, say nice things about their producers and say thank you to the Academy. I think it's nice. Yeah, yeah. I think um, they have, you know, made some strong decisions about what about what they're going to show. And I think that it, uh, I, I mean, watching it without commercials, it did feel dynamic. But I do think that like even watching it like that, I was like, there's, it's weird when it's like, one performance directly into another performance <laughs> that, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would have liked to see more awards definitely. Uh, and a few fewer performances. Mm. There was one performance that I did not watch because I could not watch it physically, but we'll talk about that one later. <laughs> I think part of it is also just like the way that they did like rooftop performances, like sort of segueing into commercial breaks. Like yeah. I think, one or two of those were fine. And I, I, I like the idea that they're sort of like having like lesser known artists on, on that like spotlight there, but it's like, you also gave awards to some lesser known artists and you could have just yeah. <laughs> done yeah. that I, instead. I liked a lot of those roof, rooftop performances and I would have enjoyed seeing them not cut off by the ads. He actually says something that I think uh, speaks to what the, the concept was here, which is don't even think of it as an award show. This is a concert where we're gonna be giving out awards. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah. that was what it was like. That was the vibe for sure. Next, uh, straight into another performance, Olivia Rodrigo. 
I thought this was really great. I watched a, this, I did compare this, I guess, in my mind to the other Olivia performance I've seen live, which was her SNL performance. And mm -hmm. I will say that I feel like her voice has kind of noticeably improved and that she's becoming like stronger of a, of a live performer. I really wish that she had gotten more time to do another song and not just Driver's License because I like Driver's License, it's a good song. But I really wish she had gotten to do Brutal or some of like the, like, I guess, faster songs on her album, because those are some of the best songs. It was a really good performance, though, and I loved the staging. I thought it was really simple, but it worked really well. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily uh, agree with the sentiment about like about like having her do more songs. I think that uh, she, I, you know, I like to see I, I mean. They, they could have restructured a lot of things about the performances, but I think that uh, she, you know, I don't know, there's a lot of like, you were talking about staging, it was just like, you know, the way that she sort of moved from one space to another with, with, with the song and it sort of built outward, I thought was really mm -hmm. cool. I like how, you know, uh, powerful the like final uh beat of the song is uh, uh, in, that, in this performance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, good performance <laughs> for sure. Yeah. The one thing that this bothered me a titch during Olivia's performance, but bothered me way more during Billy's, I wish they would let them curse. Mm. I'm sorry. I like, I don't think it's going to permanently scar children to hear Olivia Rodrigo say fuck once in an entire <laughs> song. Like that's the clean version of that song just doesn't hit as hard. Yeah, I have another thing that I would say about the the Silk Sonic performance I just had forgotten too is I I do think like the audio mixing was weird for that mm -hmm. part of the show and there's there's a thing with like live TV that where you're gonna run into problems but I feel like uh, when it's a concert where you're giving out awards you want to make sure that 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 you know things sound okay and for most of the rest of the show it was it was fine. Yeah. After that, straight into another performance, <laughs> Jay Balvin with Maria Becerra. I really loved this. I don't know Jay Balvin that well as an artist. I I also did, um, I wrote down all of my live tweets mm -hmm. and I initially thought Jay Balvin has been like, something like shaved into the back of his hair. And I did initially think that it was a yarmulke <laughs> because of the lighting. <laughs> and I was like, Jay Balvin is Jewish? Oh my God, uh, so exciting. But he was not. Exciting. Um, but I loved the performance with like the dancers, like the, I guess, arms and hands dancers. I thought it was so cool. And it was, it really like drew my eye. Like I wanted to like keep looking at it and see what they were going to do. Yeah, I thought there was some really good just like vision in this performance. It was a, definitely a favorite of mine. Um, you know, fun performance and fun songs, but also just like, it starts out with this like really stark red and then it's sort of this this playoff of red and blue but it's like yeah just just like i i i love that like really like striking use of those of those simple colors and uh yeah a, a great show from jay balvin and then we get our first award given out uh for the night um quest love awards song of the year to leave the door open by silk sonic I think Leave the Door Open is a beautiful song and I do like it. I just did not see this coming at all. Mm. I really saw this going to, I, I would have, okay, this is one of the things, I, I was really sad that Lil Nas X didn't win any awards because 
to me, he was a really big artist last year and his music was a very big defining point of last year. And I will say that I was surprised that this didn't go to Montero, Call Me By Your Name or Driver's License or Happier Than Ever or Kiss Me More. Like those were the songs that I saw potentially winning this um, because I, I did like Leave the Door Open but it didn't feel like it was much of a defining song. It wasn't, a, to me, it didn't feel like the song of 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I see what you're saying there for sure. I definitely uh, did think it was possible for 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 Leave the Door Open to uh, be a big player here. Just, you know, knowing the sort of like rise in acclaim that Bruno Mars has had uh, with the Academy. Um, definitely not like the most headline generating song of the year. Yeah. Uh, but I... It's defining in a way where I, I, I mean, during this speech, I think uh, Anderson Pack says, uh, thanks to you guys, we're going to be playing this song forever. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I, I think the timelessness of the song, I think that is something that the Grammys are attracted to in general. And um, I think it, it's going to be a very like lasting song, yes. which isn't to say that the rest of these won't be, but yeah. I mean, it, it, I, was, I was happy to see them win though, because it is a really good song. So like, I was not upset that, other songs did not win. Yeah, I also just love like how much uh, swagger they had in accepting these awards because yes. that's something that like that's something that like people kind of like don't do and, uh, <laughs> and um, just you know the way that they danced when they <laughs> as they were getting yeah. up onto the stage. I I will say one of the things for a while I think people this is I think I remember like watching a Todd in the Shadows video where he talks about this where like people didn't really think of like Bruno Mars as being kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um that he was like a little bit dorky bruno mars was so cool at the grammys he was like swaggering around everywhere he lit up a cigarette on stage yeah he did (laughs) we'll get into that i'm sure we'll talk about that later so so great and uh and for this one anderson's back anderson back's fly was open and he like goes to take the back he's like oh shit (laughs) i did not notice that i was also eating dinner while the grammys were happening so i'm sure there's some stuff that I missed yeah it was a a good win in my opinion and a great uh, great little moment yeah and then after that shortly thereafter we get a performance from BTS I loved this I thought it was really good I I don't know that much of BTS's like discography I guess but and I I will say that butter out of the songs of theirs that I've heard isn't necessarily my favorite I think I would say my favorite song of theirs that I've heard so far is DNA, but obviously that's a song from a few years ago. Um, I did really love the concept of them kind of being these like super spies with the Mission Impossible theme playing. I thought it was really cool. And they're such great performers. They're like, they feel like much more of a like sync style boy band than we've had in sort of any um, American boy bands at all recently with this like fantastic choreography. And it was just like, it was super seamless and fun to watch. And I loved like the little moment of um, Taehyung flirting with Olivia Rodrigo. I thought that yeah. was super funny and cute. Yeah. And, and then like the, the D like pulls the card out from behind her and yes. he like throws it. <laughs> I was like, I was like props to Olivia for not like melting into a little puddle because I would have done that. That was super smooth. it was really it was a really cute little moment and I will say that there were some BTS fans on Twitter who were very upset about it but you know Uh, yeah and what else is new (laughs) 
such is life of a BTS stan on Twitter. Yeah, uh, it, it's a real uh, uh, <laughs> dark <laughs> sort of uh, state of affairs. Uh, yeah, really great performance, really fun stuff. I think they've, in a way, gotten better at being a boy band. Uh, in the last couple of years, I think they've, you know, like they've, they, they've obviously, they've had the choreo and they've had all this, you know, all the, all the cuteness, but I feel like um, the brand is stronger than ever. Uh, they, I, I, I like Butter and I think like this performance made me like Butter more. Yeah. Uh, there are so many great moments. I love the, the, the dance with the lasers that they do during the bridge. And then they do that crazy move with the jackets where they make, <laughs> where they make them into a circle. I was like, how do you even do that? <laughs> I like the playing the jackets like they were guitars. That was, I, I loved that. It was a really great performance. And I was almost like sad it didn't go on longer. I was like, I want more of this. Oh, I feel like I'm at an NSYNC concert. And- <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, then there's the first rooftop performance, which is uh, Amy Nuviola. You know, pretty good. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, nice little, nice little performance there. I don't, uh, I'm not familiar with her, but uh, she's a, a, a Cuban singer, and uh, she. I was watching the Grammys with my dad, and I will say that that was like one of the few performances that he danced during because he is, however, a 63 year old man, and he did not know any of the songs that were performed. And he was like, mm-hmm. "This is what sounds the most familiar to me." And he's like doing a little dad dance at the. <laughs> That's great. That's great stuff. Uh, and then another performance. <laughs> it doesn't end. Lil Nas X. This was my favorite performance of the night. I love Lil Nas X so much. This was such a fantastic performance. I loved that he had the different outfits. I loved the change into these into the marching band costumes. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if I'm just projecting onto this because I want it to be this, but I hope it was. It was a reference to um, Beyonce and like her performances with the marching band outfits. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if it isn't because that's kind of like, right. you know, like whenever anyone else has done marching band outfits, everyone's like, are you referencing Beyonce? Like Taylor Swift did it a few years ago and everyone was like, she's doing a Beyonce reference. It was just, it was so cool. Jack Harlow came in and he was a fun little energy. I can't decide how I feel about him. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I like to see him uh, for the three minutes of that song, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love the quick changes. I love the um, segues between each song. That's something that I feel like is rare and fun to see in an award show medley where like you, you, you'll sort, there's sort of a build up to when the next song comes in. Mm-hmm. It, it was just fantastic. And one of my favorite things also is after the performance finished, there was this shot of Doja Cat and SZA at their table and Doja Cat was literally doing the Nicole Kidman clap and it was my favorite thing. It was so fucking funny. I think the choreo was really good too. Uh, I mean, we can get into this more as we get into the other medley, but I think both Nazes, uh, I would have liked to see just either like more time spent on songs or like a couple more songs put in there, like one or the other, because like they felt very quick and they didn't spend much time on any of the songs. Yes, I did also, um, after watching the Grammys, my dad now refers to them as um, Little Nos and Big Nos, Mm -hmm. which is just, you know, he's hidden that at the park. Good stuff. I think uh, think Nas said that first actually, but... Okay, so my dad stole it from him. Yeah, both dads. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I like didn't realize how old he was. 
Yeah, he, he looks super young. He looks like, I, I thought he was like in his 30s or something, but also I cannot tell how old anyone is ever. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Tae Young when he was flirting with Olivia Rodrigo, I thought he was like in his early 20s and apparently he's like 28. And I was like, yeah. oh dang. <laughs> it's the thing with the boy band guys. Um, but yeah, and you know, they both had like three songs and it was just like, you know, it could have it stood to hear a little more. Mm-hmm. Then we get uh, an award, finally. This one was Best Country Album, which was presented by Kelsey Ballerini and Anthony Mackie, <laughs> who are apparently co-hosting the Country Music Award. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> my, my favorite part of, of them as presenters was Kelsey Ballerini, like, saying several sentences and then Anthony, Anthony Mackie just going, true. And, like, kind of, like, <laughs> punctuating her sentences. <laughs> It was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it could be a fun dynamic. Uh, a, a fun choice. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what the behind the scenes logic is. I feel like the CMAs often have weird hosts and I don't have any facts to back that up. But I just, I feel like that's that's the case. But it's like, even in choosing like a left field host for, for the CMAs to, to go to Anthony Mackie feels. <laughs> wild honestly i love it i hope i hope anthony mackie just decides no more superhero movies i'm a country music star now and he like travels the country singing songs about being in marvel movies i, I would love that songs about being in marvel. <laughs> so great i would love to see him just be an award show guy if he's good at it you know <laughs> yeah i will say that i did find it strange that this was one of the awards that they kept in to mm-hmm. be honest Sure. Well, they did a lot of country performances. I think there was uh, an idea of trying to trying to court that market. Um, a lot of the performances uh, were really good, but like if you look at the rest of the categories they showed, and it's all like the the pop categories and some of the rap categories, yeah. and yeah, it, it it it's interesting. But I, you know, good to see it. I, I didn't pay attention after this, but I think Questlove and Mackie both referred to them as impressive nominees. Uh, and <laughs> the, the impressive nominees are, uh, and I don't know if that was like a thing everyone did or just a, a thing that Questlove did. And then Mackie was like, I'm going to do that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it went to Starting Over by Chris Stapleton. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with um, with Chris before the Grammys tonight. I had heard about him like a little bit and I had heard like some other people that I that I follow talk about him, but his performance later on in the night of Cold was so great. I really like country music and it was a really beautiful song and I'm definitely gonna like look up more of his music and listen to him later because I really enjoyed his performance and he also seems like a nice guy. I liked how much of his speech was about being a dad. I thought that was fun. Yeah, he he gave a, a really vulnerable speech and uh, f- fitting for the album in a way. Um, he, he's great. And I liked how he uh, talked about like, I, I don't know, that whole thing about like sacrifices and how everyone who's here made some kind of sacrifice. Like that was, that was a good speech. Yeah. Let's see, Trevor Noah did a joke about NFTs that was okay. Uh, I liked it. I, yeah. I I forgive him for it not being like it wasn't like the best joke, but anytime a celebrity publicly disses NFTs, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to see it. Yeah, I feel like there were a few good jokes in this show that like made some people in the audience uncomfortable. <laughs> and like that was one of them. 
there was the one earlier where he uh, said, even if you don't win, remember you have one thing that most people don't, money. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. That was my favorite joke of the night. I could like, I know that there was someone in that audience who was just like sitting there like, hm, well, how dare he? Yeah, I hate to say it. I, of course, someone else writes all these jokes, but uh, uh, Leto's line about uh, you've made the world a richer place, especially for your agents. I thought that was, that was a good <laughs> joke, too. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, after that, uh, we start to get into the section of the show where before performances, they are like having members of the touring teams come out and present them, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. I thought it was really nice. And I, I'm glad to see um, more of a spotlight on like the tech people in the industry, because I'm sure a lot of the people in that room, like know and work with those people all the time. And they think of them very highly, but the general public doesn't know about them. So it was, it was nice to see that and to see like, you know, so like a glimpse into like the relationship between, you know, different performers and their managers and the people who like work for them. Yeah, this is getting into an overall point I have about this show, but I think even though it wasn't perfect, I think that the Grammys in the past like year or two have like hit upon something that, that award shows are kind of always searching for. And in a way, like one of the issues is that there, nothing outrageous happens, but, <laughs> but also like, I don't know, just there's a, a, a really good tone that I think was, was struck at this show in terms of, um, feeling like fun and also like a sort of genuine in its appreciation for the industry yeah it's something I I would like to see at the Oscar <laughs> yeah oh, I, I I know you did a whole I don't I know you did just a whole episode about the Oscars last week that joke that they made about the animation category of like a, a animation is enjoyed by kids and endured by adults pissed me off so much I yeah <laughs> it was really infuriating especially given the current like fight by animation workers to get treated better and to work under better conditions it's it's deeply frustrating to see people make jokes like that honestly absolutely next performance Billie Eilish I like I love this was really good this was also one of my favorite performances I loved the set the um I love Happier Than Ever. It's like one of my favorite songs of the last year. And I love that she started out with a sort of sweet, softer side of the song in this like upside down living room with the water on the floor. I thought it was really interesting. And then when she came out of the upside down house and was on like the top of it, rocking out with Phineas and the rain started pouring down, it was just, it was so great. And it was really great to like see her get to sort of it it felt like it was almost cathartic for her getting to really like rock out on that song and like release and clearly like that song and a bunch of songs on her most recent album were about someone were about like uh, a toxic ex-partner and it I think it was great to watch her sort of release some of that anger and some of that like past injustice in this performance yeah, uh, very cathartic performance, a very fun performance. Uh, it seems like upside down living rooms are in vogue <laughs> right now. I don't um, hate it. Yeah, no, I'm down for it. They should make that the Met Gala theme. <laughs> <gasps> yeah. Uh, she wore a Taylor Hawkins shirt, which was a nice little tribute. And um, 
Yeah, I love that song also. Um, I did, however, immediately after this performance, we did have some more um, Trevor Noah jokes and I have, I audibly groaned at the we don't talk about Bruno joke. I I liked it. <laughs> I, liked yeah, it. I just I'm like <laughs> I I was like oh it, it was like it was almost like kind of a dad joke to make. Yeah, I, I definitely a dad joke. I, I think that bit went on a little longer than it had to, but I did yeah. think it was a good joke. And I really, I think I, I love the like face that that Bruno makes at him for the entire rest of the bit. <laughs> yeah, and then he um and then he breaks and then he smiles and it's nice. Yeah, and it's clearly yeah. a nice little moment with them. Again, Silk Sonic just giving us like performance. Yeah, on, they, on, on such a great level. I mean, they had a really great, they had a really great night at the Grammys. Yeah, just, yeah, they're just doing like being at the Grammys better than anyone else. <laughs> yeah, and then we get the uh, Dua Lipa, Megan Thee Stallion bit where they are wearing the same dress and then Donatella Versace comes on stage and changes them. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of loved it. I I love how like kind of weird and out of it Donatella Versace is at all times. And I did really like these outfits. I, I thought it was like a fun little gag, but I was also like, I don't entirely get why this is happening right now. Yeah, it, I, I, I like to see gags, but it was another instance of just like, you know, just talking about the order of things, like going from a gag into a gag. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good to see them. You know, Dua and Megan, uh, do they have a lot of chemistry? Maybe not, but, they, but you know, they're both fun people. Mm-hmm. And they presented Best New Artist to Olivia Rodrigo. I, I think that was the obvious choice. I Yeah, everyone knew that was going to happen. Yeah, I, I will say it is genuinely hilarious to me how many people who were nominated for Best New Artist are not by any conception new artists. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Glass Animals and Japanese Breakfast, I know specifically have been around for years and years and years. And also, I I have to say, I am so deathly sick of Heat Waves as a song that I was so glad Glass Animals didn't win this because then I was going to have to hear Heat Waves a thousand more times over the next year because of it. And I'm so sick of it. Sucks. Um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Rodrigo's a good win. Uh, it's not really anyone else in this category who would make a lot of sense as a winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phineas ha- already has like seven Grammys. Yeah, so that's pretty it. funny. <laughs> I, 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 will add, I will add here, though, I don't think he and Billy won any Grammys last night. I honestly was a little bit like relieved to see that because like the, the main thing that I kept like thinking about was... Like in past years, Billy has, I think this is the 2020 Grammys where there was that really heartbreaking moment where she had just won a bunch of awards and she was like mouthing, please don't be me, please don't be me. And it was like caught on camera. And I I think like as much as I do really love Billy as an artist and as much as I loved this new album, I was, I felt like I was almost a little bit relieved for her that she didn't win because it always just seems like whenever she wins she's stressed out by it yeah it does seem that way I mean she she seemed happy to win the Oscar last week but uh yeah you know I, th- I think it's good to get a get a break from winning awards sometimes yeah <laughs> she was the first person born in the 2000s to win an Oscar she sure was so yeah uh, a, an obvious win but a good one and next we have uh this is fun to see Bonnie Raitt and Joni Mitchell introducing Brandi Carlisle 
this was um that was one that um at this point my mother had joined us joined us in watching the grammys and my parents were both very excited to see people that they actually knew aka mm-hmm. Joni mitchell and bonnie Raitt. my parents have like 10 Joni mitchell cds in our house um yeah. and i i thought they were great it was i it was a little bit heartbreaking when Joni mitchell like missed one of the words in her introduction but bonnie Raitt helped her out and they got it back on track and I obviously they're both like absolute legends so it was super cool to see them yeah it was great to see them and the Randy Carlyle performance uh definitely one of my favorites a real a real showstopper great great stuff I really liked it and then straight into another performance uh our Nas Medley yes he did uh a, a few songs from I, I think he only did old songs or maybe he did one from the new album and then like three old ones but uh yeah uh we we talked about this performance a little bit really you know good stuff good Nas the uh the, like I said I think they could have stood to either give more time to each song or do more songs because it was like basically only three songs and they really didn't you, you know he, he didn't do all of any of them he sort of rushed through them so but yeah good performance mm-hmm. uh and another award this was presented by Ludacris, and he gave best rap performance to family ties by baby keem and Ken. i have i have no takes on this i haven't heard the song i I will I will say that um, rap in general tends to be a little bit of a blind spot for me unless it's Megan Stallion who is my favorite rapper, but I I mean it was a it was a really cute speech. Yeah, I, a very well deserved win, and I think that uh, a very sweet speech from Baby Keem. He's a, he's a real sweetie. He always seems just really uh, you know kind and thoughtful. <laughs> and, yeah, he, he's putting the baby back in Baby Keem. Absolutely. Love to see it. And uh, Ludacris was a fun presenter too. Um, I think it was Ludacris who made the comment about uh, who said like my Virgo brother Nas. I thought that was yeah, <laughs> so funny. I like, I was just like, it was so out of nowhere. And I was so caught off guard, but I was like, hell yeah. I had no idea Ludacris was a Virgo. <laughs> or Nas, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good to know. And then another performance, uh, Chris Stapleton, who we yeah. already talked about a little bit. Yeah, I, I didn't, I wasn't super familiar with him before tonight, but this was a really great performance and it was, I love country music. I think it's really good. And I, I was, I was glad to see like some country music performances at the Grammys because I do think a lot of like stadium country music has kind of given it a bad reputation in recent years and I think it's nice to see people who are just genuinely great songwriters and musicians showing what country has the ability to be in in terms of like being it, it was it was a country heavy show for sure uh but like really great artists in the country genre throughout and yeah that that song is was great and he crushed the performance and then it went uh, straight into the next rooftop performance, which was by uh, Maverick City Music. Did a little a little gospel on them. That was a yeah. fun little thing. Yeah, it was nice. And then after that, we have uh, Volodymyr Zelensky <laughs> introducing <laughs> a performance by John Legend and uh, uh, three Ukrainian artists: uh, Susanna Eglidan and Mika Newton and Luba Yakimchuk. Okay. 
I the performance itself was actually really nice. I liked it a lot. the The song was really pretty, and the poem was like I, I, a little bit awkward in places, but also you know it, it's probably translated from Ukrainian, so that's going to happen. That Zelensky speech was by far for me like the most awkward moment of the night. It was. I, I, I feel weird complaining about it because obviously like I do think it's important that people have an accurate grasp of genuinely how horrible the situation is right now for Ukrainians and how bad things are in Ukraine. But I'm sorry, I really just don't think the Grammys is the place to give a speech where you constantly mention how many people are being shot in the streets over and over. Like, especially before this like very like we are the world-esque performance. Like it would, be, it would have been super weird if, if before we are the world, someone had like given a speech about how everyone is dying and everything is horrible. Yeah, it, it very much, uh, I think, makes sense to like program this into the show. Uh... <laughs> It's a it's a funny thing to have Zelensky uh, give a little pre-tape at the Grammys. They like it's it's been said that they wanted him at the Oscars. And they didn't get it. But it would be it, it I, I could guess maybe that he had already decided to do the Grammys and doing them like one week after another would be weird. But then I do, I do think that what the Oscars ended up doing, which was uh, Mila Kunis introducing the Reba McIntyre performance, uh, was <laughs> not as strong of a tribute. Uh, they were yeah. going to have Reba anyway, and Reba was incredible. But like, just you just, gotta love Reba. Yeah, but this performance, pretty good, makes sense. Not something I will revisit. <laughs> yeah. And the Zelensky speech, you know, again, I think there was probably some uh, translational stuff happening, but it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> sort of weird, sort of weird yeah. to have. This was one of my least favorite Trevor Noah jokes immediately after. Um, he did this bit with BTS where um, he was like sitting and talking to them. And I was, I'm, I don't know who, which member of BTS this was. I do not know their names that he was talking yeah. to. But yeah. um, they were talking about um, how like this guy learned to speak English watching Friends. And I thought, oh, this is nice. And he says he's a Chandler. Oh, that's really funny. You wouldn't yeah, expect funny. this like famous pop star to say that he's a Chandler. And then it like, and then Trevor Noah was like, I'm teaching myself Korean by watching this Korean TV show. And then he did a Squid Game bit where he sang the creepy song that the doll sings on Squid Game. And I hated that. And it was super uncomfortable and I did not like it. I don't know. One of the things that I've noticed, I've seen like a bunch of clips of BTS in interviews with like American interviewers where this pops up of like the interviewers aren't quite sure how to get around the language barrier and they make some like awkward comments and this felt very awkward and I would have liked it if instead of Trevor Noah doing the weird squid game bit which just if he had been like what are some Korean shows I I should watch and then they like gave him recommendations for like great Korean tv shows and then maybe the people right. at home could go check well, out those tv shows yeah I mean it's it's not an actual like conversation I know is, is but it would, it would have been nice it would have been nice. I think like, I could see how like generally the idea of like weaving Squid Game into a conversation with them is uncomfortable. I think in this exact context, it made sense. Like like the through line of the joke from you learned English by watching Friends. 
I watched this Korean show to learn to learn Korean. <laughs> like I think I yeah. think that makes sense. And I thought it was a good bit. Yeah, I was just it was it it just felt a little like something about it just felt off to me. And and also just because like I was actually a little bit surprised that Trevor Noah doesn't know any Korean because he knows like so many languages. <laughs> Maybe he does. It was a bit, you know. Uh next we have a, a, a video introduction from Tony Bennett leading mm. into a performance by Lady Gaga. I I liked this. I it was a really, I the Tony Bennett thing did make me sad for a little bit because like he is really getting on in years and he's also I think I believe he has Alzheimer's. Yeah. He's like obviously having like a hard time being like fully with it right now but I I really liked Gaga's performance. She has a Yeah. She has a really amazing voice for jazz. That's her vocal training is jazz vocals. So I'm not like surprised. Yeah, I feel like talking about people being like being like good at being at the Grammys I like she's just kind of like I think she imbues a lot of camp into the way she does and she doesn't always do this but in this performance she really did and she's just like and for the first song especially she's basically doing like Kristen Wiig bits (laughs) (laughs) she's running around the stage it was very funny yeah, really funny, like vocal powerhouse. Uh, yeah, a, a, a really great performance. And um, Tony Bennett, nice to see. It was, it, was, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was nice to see him. Yeah, I will say that one of I, one of the things I started noticing, like in like, I guess the second, like going into like the later songs that she did, she almost sounded a little bit like Amy Winehouse to me. And maybe that's just because like Amy Winehouse is who I think of when I think of like modern, more jazzy vocals, but it did like remind me a little bit of her. And there was also this really great moment where they cut to like the audience and Billie Eilish was like losing her mind over Lady Gaga. And I was like, she is just like me. That would be me if I was at the Grammys. I would just be like crying at the sight of Lady Gaga in person. Lady Gaga doing like Cole Porter songs and Billie Eilish is just going nuts about it. I, I liked the way they performed it, but it would have been so great if Gaga had like had a suit on and was doing like was like an old Hollywood crooner, and then if she like started <laughs> crooning at Billie Eilish, that would have been so good and so queer, and I would have fucking lived. That's what we need to see. Next, we have Billy Porter presenting Best R and B Album to Pick Up Your Feelings, Jasmine Sullivan. So good. I, I, she's such an amazing singer. I, Billy Porter brought so much fun energy to this presentation. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was great to see it. He was having fun with it. A, a well-deserved and in a way long overdue win for Jasmine Sullivan. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just, just a great album. I, I love to see that, uh, you know, getting some, some gold. Uh, and she gave a good speech too. Yeah, it was really cute. And I liked her outfit a lot with the, like, I love like the details of like sparkle. I love how like sparkles on like black looks. Yeah, she had a really funny line during her speech where she said, shout out to her for wearing these glasses in the dark. I fell like 10 times. (laughs) (laughs) After that, another rooftop performance from uh, Billy Strings, bringing that bluegrass. Uh, Just fine. His (laughs) His hair is wild. And then, um, then we have uh, our boy, Dr. Michael Morbius <laughs> at our service <laughs> coming out to present best pop vocal album to Sour. 
Yeah, I, I feel like Leto is so associated with film that it does feel weird to see him at any kind of music thing, but <laughs> he does obviously have yeah. that background. Yeah, I, I partly, I kind of just felt like he was there because like some PR person for him or for Morbius was like, get Jared Leto on everything. We need people to go see Morbius because <laughs> people are not seeing Morbius. Actually, they are. <laughs> Oh wait, are they not? I I saw something that was like it's not making like fantastic box office numbers. It's not making superhero movie box office numbers, but it was uh, number one this weekend. <laughs> oh, I I do I am not going to congratulate Jared Leto on that. Fuck you, Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah, I like. I haven't seen it yet. I like the idea of just like a, a series of films that just exists to mess up the MCU. <laughs> I, Olivia Rodrigo won he presented it to Olivia Rodrigo for Sour and I did I was glad that she won I mean I really like Olivia I think she's very talented and I think she's potentially I mean she reminds me a lot and clearly she loves Taylor Swift and I would not be surprised if she's kind of like I guess the new Taylor Swift and I mean that in like I mean that in an excellent way like she's okay. writing about like her love life and her romance and writing from the heart and writing these like good, simple songs that maybe like, you know, she's not reinventing the wheel, but she's writing things that feel true. And yeah. also, I mean, and she wrote that album when she was 17. It's not going to be like the greatest album to ever live. It was written by a 17 year old. Not everyone can be yeah. bored. Yeah, I think there's some good, right? I think there's some good writing on that album, but I, I I agree with that sentiment and the idea that like she could see like a Taylor Swift trajectory where like in a couple years she becomes like an artist who is always going to get recognized by the Grammys, except yeah. for this year when Taylor Swift wasn't when Taylor Swift got nothing, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, I I was a little bit sad to see Planet Her not win because I thought it was a really fantastic album. But I mean, Doja did win later in the night, so I was just glad that she got a win. But I will say out of those albums, I think I was probably hoping for Planet Her, but I was happy to see Olivia win. And she gave a cute speech specifically thanking her parents. And it was really sweet. Yeah, I'd probably say Sour is my favorite out of these moments. It's, uh, I mean, Happier Than Ever is great, but like, like you said, they, they could give it a rest with Billy. They can, yeah. they can let her sleep. Let, let, let Billy relax. She's so, I, I just feel like Billy is so stressed out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was, I was also so worried that he was going to try to touch, that Jared Leto was going to try to touch Olivia Rodrigo. And I was like, literally like sitting at home, ready to fight Jared Leto through my like computer screen. Cause I was like, yeah, a little girl, if you touch her, I will go Will Smith on your ass, but worse. Yeah. It was like, I didn't even have a reason to expect it but when it didn't happen i was like oh, okay <laughs> thank god i after that we get pretty pretty shortly into the in memoriam section which begins with a separate tribute to taylor hawkins because the the foo fighters were supposed to perform um and then we get the the full tribute from Ben Platt, Cynthia Erva, Rachel Zegler, and Leslie Odom Jr. This was so good. I, 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 I did. I cried very hard watching this Sondheim medley tribute. It was, <laughs> it was so beautiful, and all of them clearly love Sondheim. And you know, I mean, every theater person loves Sondheim, and he's so influential. And 
all those people, like all four of those people have absolutely stunning voices. And it was just this like moment of like pure musical talent and love for what Stephen Sondheim created. And it was just so wonderful to see. And I, I, again, I did cry very hard. Yeah, I, it, I mean, it, it really might be the best in memoriam segment I have seen. <laughs> like the, the concept is so good. The performances are so good. That idea of just like, like almost a magic trick that in the end, it's like the whole thing has been a Sondheim tribute. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, really well done. Really, I, I, I don't think I've ever like had commentary on the in memoriam segment of an award show before, but that was a really good one. Yeah. It was, it was so good. I, I also adore Rachel Zegler and I'm, I can't wait for her to have a long storied musical actor career. And then we get, uh, the next thing is a performance by John Batiste of his song Freedom. Uh, yeah, a, a really fun performance, great energy. Uh, I love all the, you know, these, these pastel colors and these sort of weird characters coming out. Uh, he, there were it, kind of many performances that were structured this way where it like starts at the piano. He was having more fun at the piano than the rest of them were, but just like starting at the piano and then going into like a, like a big and bold kind of uh, performance. Um, and this was another moment where like he ended like standing on top of Billie Eilish's table and she, and she was just loving it. Yeah, I, good for Billie. I'm glad that she got to just like have fun at the Grammys and not worry about like being Billie Eilish girl who wins every single Grammy in existence. And I, I love this performance. I was not familiar with John Batiste before tonight, which is hilarious given what are the awards that he won. But I, I really liked his performance. He has an amazing voice. And I was like, it was just really enjoyable. And it was a great timeless song. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Lots of fun. Yeah. The, the visual style is not dissimilar from, uh, from the Taylor Swift me era. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. Uh, but yeah, lots of fun. <laughs> so for this next performance, uh, which we've already talked about a little bit, um, I will say I do like that, that Trevor Noah shows up after the Betty thing. And his next line is, before COVID, there was Bieber fever. <laughs> he sure did say that. I think that's funny. Because <laughs> there was. There was. We get a performance of Peaches from Justin Bieber. You did not watch this performance. <laughs> I did not watch this performance because as soon as I heard Trevor Noah imply that Justin Bieber was performing, I muted my computer because I didn't want to see it. I am a noted disliker of Justin Bieber. It's true. Fans, real fans will remember. Uh <laughs> <laughs> real fans will remember when I got doxxed by his fans on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I hated this performance. I would say it is the only performance in the show where I was like, this could have been shorter. Because, you know, there's this, there's this great motion from everything to the next. And with this one, it starts with this, like, the slowed down piano version of Peaches, which is really funny because Peaches is sort of, it's, <laughs> it's like if the Venga Boys were doing a slowed down version of Venga Bus. <laughs> You know, it's like this, <laughs> Peaches is not the song to be to be turning into a ballad. <laughs> it, 
it, it did go on for a while. And I know it went on for a while because I clicked away from my tab that had the Grammys open and I like clicked back on in like a couple of minutes and he was still going. And I was like, I didn't need this much Justin Bieber. I would have preferred if that John Batiste performance was longer instead of this. Yeah, and it's weird that it was one song. Like, like I guess it makes I, I like having Nas and Lil Nas X be the two medleys. I think that was that was a, a good decision. But uh yeah, I, I guess the thing is uh you know, after that, after like two minutes on the piano, he goes into the regular version of the song, and we get the full Daniel Caesar and Gaveon verses uh before before it wraps up. Um and they're having fun with it. They're you know out there, their voices are incredible, but uh yeah, fine. <laughs> it could have been shorter. That's my take. I, I already did this joke, but just like to imagine <laughs> like Mambo number five in like the in like the piano ballad form. <laughs> That's sort of the vibe of the beginning of this performance. <laughs> you know, I would not have I would not hate to see what, what that would look like. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, the one thing that I do want to ask you about, because one of my friends tweeted about this, did he whisper into his piano? Uh, I was <laughs> tuned out for the piano part, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, there are times where I think Bieber's voice really works, but um, piano ballads are not something I'm interested in hearing from him. <laughs> His voice really works when it's like one little, like like on Despacito, when it's just him saying Despacito, that's great. That's great. I love that. <laughs> I don't need to hear a piano ballad from him. I, want, I can't wait for his next album. Justin Bieber covers all of Celine Dion's discography. <laughs> Canadians. <laughs> I... Gonna gotta cover Aline Dew. Um, so yeah, <laughs> after that, we get Avril Lavigne presenting the best pop duo group performance. She plays her straight, but it was it was nice to see Avril Lavigne. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, it was good to see her. And she presented it to uh, Doja Cat and Sissa for Kiss Me More. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, this was one of the, I honestly think this was genuinely the funniest moment of the whole evening was Doja Cat sprinting, sprinting onto the stage and then going, I have never taken such a fast piss and saying it so quickly that the censors couldn't even fully bleep it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. And yeah, I like just... how, I like how like as she's running up, Sizzle, you can hear her go, go like the bathroom for like five minutes. <laughs> I will also say, apparently there's a discourse about SZA having crutches, and I, I don't care if she's using her crutches incorrectly. Like, why yeah. does it, it doesn't matter. And there was, yeah, also, there was also this really cute moment where um, when SZA was getting onto the stage, Lady Gaga was helping her like lift the back of her dress so she could get onto the platform. And I just thought that was real cute. And I, I love to see Gaga just like being a nice lady and, and helping out the other performers. <laughs> she, she's developed a reputation for being very uh, uh, caring, which yeah, I think is the, good. The, the Liza Minnelli moment last week was yeah. probably the best moment of the Oscars. Yeah, um, and the, and the, we got sort of a reference to her, her relationship with Tony Bennett, which is, you know, another indicator there. Yeah. Just a, a sweet Italian lady. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the Lady Gaga brand. And I'm eating gnocchi right now. I'm, I'm keeping it yes. on brand. 
Yes. God, the, the gnocchi brand is strong. It's funny because like I like caught I you know towards the end she Doja does get very emotional in this speech. This is her first yeah. Grammy. But like I, I I sort of caught it like having not at, at first having not seen that uh, the bathroom part and I was like I I think just like from how like out of breath she was I sort of thought that 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 she was like you know really broken up about it and then <laughs> <laughs> you know watching yeah. it in context it's like okay this makes sense <laughs> yeah it was it it was her her and Sizzle's like kind of back and forth speeches were really really cute and. I like got very emotional watching Doja Cat like choke up and talk about how much it meant to her because she's like always very goofy and like having a fun time and like you don't really see you know a lot of intense emotional Doja Cat moments you know um unfortunately Bitch I'm a Cow is not an emotional piano ballad mm-hmm. that, that, <laughs> she's got to do the the Bieber parody she's got to host like the BMAs <laughs> I and do a Bieber parody. <laughs> I would fucking love if Doja Cat gets on stage and like bends over a piano and goes, bitch, I'm a cow. <laughs> she would. She, she would. would be great. I oh, was so, so happy. Funny. I, I was so happy because I love Doja Cat. I love SZA. I love Kiss Me More. I was so happy they won. And I was like, yes, yeah. those are my wives. She had the line where she was like, um, I like to downplay shit, but this means a lot. And then that was, that was, that was real sweet. Good to see. Then we get another performance from her with Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, Travis Barker and Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. So great. Brought the fucking house down. Just like, (laughs) just wow. I mean, you'll like, you know, you know, her can do all this by this point, but it's like, she's crushing it. She does the, uh, she does the Lenny Kravitz song with Lenny Kravitz. She does, you know, two of her own tracks. I'm like, yeah, y- yeah. It, it, it's, she's always been someone who like is not as commercial and gets a lot of love from award shows, but like, she's so good and she on the drums she she does this that sick drum solo and then she goes and does the Lenny Kravitz thing after doing the like Jimmy Jam and like like Mariah Carey shit at the beginning it's like it's almost like she was like you know what I'm gonna show everyone here that I am as good if not better than all these legendary guys I'm performing with yeah it, it it felt like a show of force yeah, and I the Lenny Kravitz performance was so good, and I think I'm a little bit in love with Lenny Kravitz from last night's Grammys. I think I had forgotten about him a little bit because I was mo- mostly thinking about Zoe Kravitz until the post that mm-hmm. brought down nuclear Armageddon. But I, I, I was, I was literally like such texting. Such a strange, such a strange culture we live in. But go on. <laughs> yeah. it, I will. It, we could like briefly touch on the fact that all it took was like one stupid Instagram post from Zoe Kravitz, and then everyone was like, "Fuck Zoe Kravitz. We no longer think she's the hot new thing." Yeah, this whole, this whole idea, like, 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 like everyone who says something about this, they're all gonna get like just, just, just whatever dirty laundry they have plastered. It's, it's so, it's so bizarre. I, I will say my absolute favorites, quickly touching on the on the Will Smith slap cultural reset, my favorite celebrity response was an interviewer asking Daniel Radcliffe about it and him just being mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to talk about this because I'm sick of hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> Love that for him. Yeah. 
king shit. I, I, I was so happy. I was like, yes, Daniel Radcliffe, don't say a damn thing. That you were saying about Lenny Kravitz, but you might have oh, already. Yes. I, I was just saying he's a very gorgeous man. And I was texting my friends and I was saying, you know what? I do not like older men, but maybe I do because Lenny Kravitz is very, very beautiful. And I'm a yeah, little bit in love with him. Couple of them, how old is he? He's 50 something, right? Some He's of these, 57. Some of these, yeah, some of these 50 something Jewish guys just have, <laughs> just have a way. That's what it is. So then, uh, and Keith Urban comes out after that, and, and he's like, can we just like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I loved that. I, I, I love seeing like people genuinely like responding to that stuff at those shows and, be, and being like, wow, I'm a famous celebrity, but I also had a genuine human reaction to this. Yeah, he was also at the Oscars last week because he's uh, married to Nicole Kidman, which is <laughs> just some fun stuff. Uh, and he presented Record of the Year to Leave the Door Open by Silk Sonic. I did not see this coming at all. <laughs> so it was so, they did the dance again, <laughs> which was so great. And they went up there and Anderson Pack said, we're trying hard to be humble. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what we in the industry call a clean sweep yes they won they won every award they were nominated for including song and record of the year and bruno mars lit up a fucking cigarette on stage and started smoking <laughs> and blasted a cig <laughs> God, I, I was like a little bit surprised, but then I, I I was immediately won over by how absolutely amazing they were in accepting the award. I was like, I can't be <laughs> mad about this. These guys are fantastic. I love them. They're, they're so good. Such a good. And then they like got off the stage and they like they like made a roundabout path and they started dancing and the camera <laughs> cut they, they did like a fiddler on the roof dance kind of and then the camera cut away to trevor noah but you could hear it the audience was still applauding and they, were, they, they must have still been dancing <laughs> i will say that lil nas x didn't win any of the awards he was nominated for for i think just for montero call me by your name and I was really disappointed that he didn't win any awards because, I mean, I really love him as an artist and I think he's making like really great art. And to me, he is one of the few like mainstream queer artists who I've like watched their career. And I don't think I've had this reaction to someone since like the original Lady Gaga era where she was super weird and crazy and wearing meat dresses and doing insane performances. It feels like he's one of the few mainstream queer artists who is even somewhat making like queer art that pushes boundaries. And I was sad to see him not be awarded for music that I thought was really impactful and really interesting. Yeah. In a way, I kind of feel like, I, I don't know if I'm really saying this, but, it, but but this is just the thought that comes to my head is like, in a way, maybe it like legitimizes him that he's been denied these, the, like like this this recording academy, academy kind of accolade. And it's similar to how like, um, when Adam Sandler's Independent Spirit Award speech, when he talked about how he was, how he was quote unquote snubbed by the academy. <laughs> Yeah. And how in, in, in high school he was uh he was reminded of how in high school he was passed over for the best looking award, <laughs> but got the got the, the best personality uh, <laughs> And yeah, I just feel like you know there's a certain extent to which like 
it's true of all these academy shows that you, you know they they award a lot of the the more presentable and like uh you know timeless was a word i used earlier but you you, you know the 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 music that like fits neatly <laughs> into into comfort zones and the the fact that uh Lil Nas X was looked over i think is I, I don't, again, I don't know if this is what I really think, because obviously those songs are usually successful and beloved, but um, yeah, it, it does sort of speak to maybe like how, how like impactful they've actually been. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, from that perspective, it does kind of support my statement of like, that he's one of the few artists making, at least mainstream artists that I think is at all pushing boundaries in terms of queer art. And mm-hmm the fact that he's not being awarded for it and that he's being passed over after having the, frankly, I think the best performance of the night. Yeah. It, it was it was kind of frustrating to watch though, because I was just like, listen, I, I, lo- I love Leave the Door Open and I, I loved, I was so charmed by Silk Sonic the whole night. I was swept off my feet by them, but I was a little yeah. bit like- I haven't even talked about Anderson Pack's hair yet, but that oh, was great too. <laughs> Edna mode. <laughs> Go on. It, it just as much as I was swept off my feet by them, I was like, you know, I I don't feel like they did something as new as what Lil Nas X has done. It's like how I don't know. To me, it's like how uh, WAP was was not nominated for anything. Oh yeah, uh, last year. It was not. It was never gonna get nominated for anything though, because it's a, literally a song called "A Wet Ass Pussy." That's not gonna get any fucking awards yeah. or nominations. But it's like when things really like get a rise out of people, they're you know less likely to be recognized. Yeah, it was great to see someone making queer art that wasn't that was that wasn't just like, "Hey, I'm queer and I'm just like everyone else." This was like, "No, I am." a gay black man who has had this experience with my lover who was in the closet and who would not love me in public. And it was, I think it was something that made, that made cishet people question their ideas of queerness more than a lot of other queer art that I've seen recently did. Yeah. And how explicitly, like, I mean, that's kind of what you're saying, but how like explicitly sexual and explicitly transgressive it is, but yeah. Yeah. The, the music video is literally a metaphor for him being like rejected by his Christian upbringing and then saying, if, if this is what's going to send me to hell, then fuck it, I'm going to hell. Yeah. So after that, we get uh, a little montage from the Recording Academy, which, you know, nothing special, but that's, you know, a, a part of the award show atmosphere. And then we have a performance from Carrie Underwood. I not like great. Carrie Underwood. <laughs> I did not like this song. Um, her voice sounded beautiful, but... I, I, I'm not over the, uh, the lyric of I'm going to be your ghost story. Mm-hmm. It was, it felt very much like, oh God, there's this song. I don't know what the title of it is, but it was a joke on um, Big Fat Quiz a few years ago. And it, it has the lyrics, um, I don't want to see a ghost. That's the sight that I fear most. I'd rather w- eat a piece of toast and watch the evening news. And that's what it made me think of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say. Just like uh, good voice, Carrie Underwood, yeah. classic stuff. Uh, not one of her better works. I would have liked it if she had come on stage, smashed a guitar, and then went into a hard rock version of Before He Cheats. Or even just a harder version of of, of Ghost Story. I feel like just, you know, 
<laughs> it was, Carrie Rock it was in, a, her, in her um, death metal era. Absolutely. We got to see it. And then we have Lenny Kravitz come out to present album of the year. And uh, his opening line is good evening and let love rule, which is like great Lenny Kravitz shit. (laughs) I was was like, oh, I feel seduced through my, through my computer screen. I feel like I'm, I'm, I I felt like I was at Beatlemania. I was like, yeah. So great. So love to see him. He presents album of the year to We Are by John Baptiste. And the uh, the fact that I have to give up here is that John Baptiste is the, and I post this on Twitter, is, is the first Black artist to win album of the year since Herbie Hancock in 2008, and the first to win it for, for an original material album since Outcast in 2004. That is absolutely insane. Yeah. Like, I mean... I just, the thing that like makes me, I mean, that immediately that makes me think of Lemonade losing in 2016 or mm-hmm. was it 2017 that the year that the ceremony uh, well, actually happened? It was the 17 Grammys. Yeah. Yeah. And like how, even at that time, it was like so clear that like, this was the wrong, like as much as I love Adele and as much as I like 25, it was like, it, it, it felt very frustrating because it, it also I mean, this also kind of goes back to the point that we were making or just like a little bit ago about, about Lil Nas X and art that pushes boundaries not being lorded. And hmm. Lemonade is, I mean, like Beyonce has kept going with some music in a similar vein to Lemonade, but it was really a massive shift. Like she had never done anything like that and she had never made art that was so was so explicitly about her identity as a black woman before then and of course that this was the album that didn't get an award from the grammys was the most explicitly political and the album that explicitly made so many white people uncomfortable that that was the one that didn't get awarded yeah it's like i was saying there's you know comfortable albums are the albums that tend to win uh album of the year that's held true uh all almost universally for a long time mm-hmm. uh it also definitely i mean you could definitely go back further to when beyonce did the self-titled album that loses album of the year to uh beck's album morning phase and then there was oh. the great and then there was the great joke where Kanye starts walking towards the stage when you... <laughs> yeah, and then, and then he told a bit a couple a couple years later, he was like, I was in a restaurant and, and they were uh, playing uh, this album and I was like, who is this? And they're like, it's the Beck album. And I was like, man, this is good. <laughs> but yeah, uh, just, just, just an overall thing where um, it's not, four Black artists have one album of the year. Uh, in the 21st century and Taylor Swift has one album of the year three times <laughs> three. <laughs> Taylor just... Swift I'm really happy for you and I'm gonna let you finish but that's a but little Beyonce that's had up. the best album of all time it's <laughs> and it's this thing that happens every year where like as things are getting close people will talk about you know is this artist gonna get it is this artist gonna get it and you really have to look at the fact that like you know, it was John Baptiste. Before that was Herbie Hancock and Ray Charles. And then before that, it was Outcast. The last Black woman to win was uh, Lauren Hill in 99. And I think she might have been the second. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, 
it, it, it's just it's something that you do need to account for when you think about the Grammys. And because yeah. of that, I think in looking at these nominees, I had it in my head that like We Are is definitely the kind of album that wins album of the year. But I think I was sort of just weighing like it, it's very hard for Black people to win Grammys. <laughs> and usually it's for something really monumental like Miseducation or Love Below. So I it, it did take me by surprise to see John Batista, even though like it's it, as an album of the year album, I think it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, and I was not super familiar with him before the Grammy ceremony, but he w- did an amazing performance. And I'm I need to like go and like listen to his album the full way through after this because I really enjoyed it. I thought he seems like a a great performer, and I was I was glad to see you know I was glad to see it not go to like I don't know like I like Taylor Swift pretty okay. I think it would have been weird if it went to Taylor Swift. It would have been pretty strange. I think this was a relatively weak crop for for, for album of the year. I want to, you know, I'm trying to be careful uh, with, with how I say that, but I, I don't know. I look at these and it's like, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I think Taylor Swift would probably have been the one where it's like, this is, this feels weird and Bieber, of course, but uh, other than that, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that's one of the things is if in this conversation about Black artists not being rewarded, we, I mean, although, I'm just going to say, thankfully, Justin Bieber did not win any fucking Grammys. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's worth pointing out that a lot of this album was, was very clearly inspired by like Black art and Black music. And he brought in, I mean, Black artists to work with him on the album, but it, it's very interesting to look at how many white artists have successful careers lifting from Black music and the impacts that Black musicians have had, that those white artists get so many awards and acclaim and the Black musicians often fade into history. Like, you know, I mean, this is something that got, I guess, actually brought into like more of the public consciousness um, when Lizzo and Cardi B did that song Rumors and Lizzo had the lyric about how Black people made rock and roll. It, it's definitely something that I think the music industry needs to do a better job of crediting and also of reckoning with going forward and saying, you know, like, I, I'm not objecting to white artists being inspired by like genres that were helmed by Black musicians. But I do think it's important for those artists to credit where their sources are coming from and to say, this is what inspired me. And this is, you know, I would not be making this album without these artists that came before me. Yeah. And, and I think this, you know, what, what you're hitting on, the real, the real important thing is sort of recognizing the, you know, the pioneers in, in these genres and, you know, making space for them. And, 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 you know, when it comes to these institutions like the Grammys, you know, we want to see the, the, the actual innovators in these genres uh, <laughs> taking some of the some of the accolades. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in, in those ways and many more, it's good to see a John Batiste win. I guess that's an interesting, I guess the the angle of like things being stolen from Black culture is one thing, one nuance, because I've been thinking about the Oscars versus the Grammys, and I guess that is one angle that that the Oscars have this unique balance and unique sort of recent problems. And of course the Oscars have had all these problems with racism and, and lack of diversity 
but but the idea of of you know this sort of re reattribution of of black art reappropriation reappropriation yes uh in music uh and not as much in film is uh you know an interesting wrinkle mm-hmm. and i mean like well, i mean we obviously you know this isn't the right op- um, episode for it but i think it is i mean th- because this has been a huge story over the past week i do think it is really and i mean this is going into now the grammy awards that weren't televised i think it is really interesting that the public turned on Will Smith so quickly, a man who largely devoted his career to being viewed as like this nice family man who's very wholesome and respectable. And the second he displayed any anger or any emotion outside of that, he, like the number of like basically think pieces I've seen all but outright calling Will Smith a dangerous black man, it's truly off the wall. And now going into the Grammys that weren't televised, it is truly fucking ridiculous that Louis C.K. got a fucking Grammy. Yeah, it's insane. It, it, it's insane that Louis C.K. got a Grammy. Um, yeah, I yeah I see the the thread between the two uh, also, but I, I just I, when he got nominated, I was like, they have to reckon with the fact that there's a a, a section of the Recording Academy that seeks to nominate Louis C.K. But when he wins, it's like, okay, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think it's absolutely ridiculous that he won. Like, I just, I, the main thing that I know about like Louis C.K.'s recent work is immediately after, after it came out that he had exposed himself in front of several women and masturbated in front of them um, without their consent. You know, he was doing like the cancel culture gigs of like, I've been canceled. And he did this one standup. I remember reading about this in an article in, in the Times where he basically like half of the the stand up was him like making fun of the Parkland shooting survivor kids and the other half was him making fun of trans kids and i just i i want to yell about this because it's so fucking infuriating that this man was given a grammy award not for that not for yeah. that <laughs> oh, it would it would be um it would be even more fucked up if they were like hey here's a grammy for that um 5 minutes um bit you did at a comedy club where you made fun of um, school shooting survivors and trans kids. And I think there is, um, I, I, I think it reflects more than anything else, a uh, culture of complacency that sort of got us into like the, the, the pre-MeToo problems to begin with. Just this idea that like, once someone wins a Grammy, once someone has like a Grammy nomination, it's like, this must be like, mainstream this must be like actually not that bad so 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 it's okay you know the fact that this was you know the most high profile of the of the uh, albums that was nominated and the one that most people like had heard about is is enough to say that like that that like it's it's worth accepting i think it's the same thing when you look at you know dr luke having that era of like of like Dr. Lucas out, we don't want him. And then once he has a hit again, it's like, well, I guess it's okay to nominate him. I, I think it's also really worth pointing out that a ton of artists, even after the details of the of his abuses against Kesha came out, that there were still a ton of artists working with him and using him as a producer. And there were like quite a few artists who did publicly come out against him and who I believe haven't used him as a producer since I know Gaga came out against him very strongly. He came out in support of Kesha very strongly, but she has also spoken out very openly about being a survivor of sexual assault. So 
I am not surprised that she has been one of the people who was most vocal about this, but the Dr. Luke thing, I think in terms of like the Doja, in terms of his work with Doja Cat, it's pretty clear that a big part of the reason why she's working with him is because she's contractually obligated to, and she doesn't really have a choice. It, it, it's so frustrating having watched the Me Too era and all of the lip service that people in Hollywood and in the entertainment industry paid over and over again to believing survivors. And then they just turned around and kept working with these monsters. Yeah, I, I, again, because it's just like, you know, it, it, the, the the PR machines that these people have is to say like, and, and it works is that, you know, the strategy is, there are a couple strategies. One of the strategies is like go underground for a while. If you can't like, if you can't reclaim the cancellation, then like go underground for a while. And then like, you know, just, just do whatever, like under the radar shit you can to get something popular again. And then these institutions like the Grammys are going to just, just fall back into that state of complacency. It'd been like, well, this is popular. So it's okay to give it a nominator and award. Yeah. And it, like, it's, it's just very clear how much of Hollywood needs not just these like little moments of people who are like so cartoonishly monstrous like Harvey like Harvey Weinstein ending up behind bars obviously that's amazing that he actually went to jail and that he actually faced consequences but the reality is is that we are just going to keep having more Harvey Weinsteins and more Dr. Luke's and more Louis CK's and more horrible abusive men until Hollywood makes institutional changes yeah. And the, the thing about Louis C.K. is I do think that that his story was one of the more upsetting ones that came out of that era. And I think the the reason that he I mean, I, you know, if we're comparing I, Harvey Weinstein is worse, but yeah. like the, the reason that he, I think, didn't face consequences on that level is really just because he had fans. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's also I mean, one of the things that I think I remember thinking about at the time and pointing at the time is the women who came forward against Harvey Weinstein were largely very successful, well-established actresses. And I do not think if the people coming out against him had not been in those positions of power, I think if, if they had not had power, he would not have, he would not be in jail right now. And I, I, the women who Louis CK abused, who he violated, they are not super famous, super popular comedians. They are women with relatively small amounts of power. And that is why he did what he did to them because he was abusing the fact that he had power and they didn't. Yeah. I I'm sorry, I've, I've been upset about this for like the past two days. No, I, I mean, it's, it, it's insane. Um, it's, it's something that uh, something really needs to be done about right away and nothing well yeah the fact that like there's all this conversation about like oh will will smith have to give back his oscar and that will smith willingly resigned from the from the academy and that a week later they just handed louis ck a man who assaulted multiple women a grammy but this guy who slapped one dude has to like quit the academy over it and half of his movies are being shut down it's like so I, this this is the point where i have to like jump into that conversation and I, I i always hate to do this but like to to offer something of a contrary view uh on the ramifications of of the will smith uh situation just because i think that like 
if this if a story had come out that Will Smith had slapped Chris Rock somewhere else, there would there would have been zero yeah. consequences. It's the it's yeah. the you know the code of conduct for the show and the fact that it happened on live television that they're like okay well now we have to do this sort of thing. And I think that's really the case with this Me Too movement as well is that because things uh, dirty laundry was being exposed and then like because things were happening in such a public forum and everyone was talking about it, they were like, okay, we have to, you know, make these changes right now. And then, um, you know, again, people went under the radar and found, found ways to return. But um, yeah, in terms of the, I, I think that is sort of a phenomenon that is absent of the, the level of what a person did. And it's just like, when you do something in public that the public doesn't like, then you, then, you know, people have to pull away from you for a little bit. I hope and think that Will Smith, uh, Will Smith's career will ultimately be fine. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I mean, as much as I liked, as much as I have made like a shit ton of jokes about it and about like, I'm so glad we're normalizing slapping comedians. Um, I, I don't think, Will Smith should have slapped Chris Rock. I, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. think it's ever a good thing to necessarily hit someone. But I think the thing that most people are mad about aren't necessarily that someone was hit. I think what they're mad about is what they perceive to be a breach in civility and in polite society. They're not Mm -hmm. mad because they're just so defensive of Chris Rock. They're mad because something uncivil happened on national television. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, I, I I mean, we might as well talk about it. I think um, it's interesting to see the, I think the the way that people turned this into a two-sided issue so quickly was uh, upsetting. But I think the way that people will ask the question, like, are, are you on the side of Will Smith or Chris Rock is funny, first of all, in that there isn't really a Chris Rock side, but like yeah. also in that, also in that, from everything we know, Will Smith's opinion is I did something wrong and I should face consequences. And yeah. Chris Rock's opinion is it was fine and we should move on. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that's interesting here is that it's been set up as Will Smith versus Chris Rock, but it seems much more like it is like Will Smith and Chris Rock are willing to work things out in their own time and like actually sit down and talk to each other and like, you know, apologize and work things out. And I mean, what, I mean, this is one of the things that a bunch of people have been pointing out over the past couple of days is no one has fucking apologized to Jada. No one. Well, we'll apologize to Jada, but, but it's true that like, I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say that Chris Rock hasn't apologized to Jada because it's possible that he has. But I think he should apologize in public. I think he should say like, I don't know. I would like to see him apologize to her, especially because it seems like he has like disliked her I I was seeing a bunch of people say that apparently like this is not the first time he's like made fun of her and that apparently there's like some history there and I I think the thing for me is it, it seems like there's this largely constructed conflict between Will Smith and Chris Rock both of whom like I I don't necessarily dislike Will Smith deciding that he's going to step out of the academy. I think that if he feels like that's what he needs to do, I think that that's a good idea. I don't think he should have to give his Oscar back. Um, he won't. He won't, yeah. and he won't have to. I I also like the thing that I kept thinking is like it is it will be so infuriating if Will Smith has to give his Oscar back, but like fucking like Mel Gibson and Roman Polanski and Casey Affleck don't have to give theirs back. 
Well, it's the thing, first of all, again, this whole giving his Oscar yeah. back is completely trumped up New York Post shit and it doesn't exist. Uh, but second of all, again, that it's really about the breach in civility and, yeah. you know, th- something happening on, on live television. And also that, you know, uh, Roman Polanski was uh, was definitely kicked out of the Academy. <laughs> like yeah. there was, you know, yeah. But he is, I mean, I will say this is one of the things that got brought up a bunch. He is still very much supported by a large number of people in Hollywood, which is really yeah. fucked up and bad and he assaulted a child that that's not okay yeah. uh, i i feel like you know i feel like anyone listening to this podcast would be like yeah you can't assault children but like you know i <laughs> yeah. gotta say it we're just on the same page about that yeah 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 to put it out there yeah yeah don't do it it's no good it, it i think it's just this week has been a very interesting reckoning in what cancel culture actually means in whether or not who they're like cancel culture consequences for. And yeah. one of the things that I noticed is a lot of the people who were, I, I don't think I saw a single person like pearl clutching over Will Smith on Twitter who wasn't like an older white person. Mm-hmm. And I I think like, I mean, as, as much as, I mean, again, you like, you shouldn't hit people. I, I do feel like a large portion of the outrage is like, is only present because Will Smith is black. Or at least not necessarily is not as only present, but I think a lot of it is exacerbated by that. I think you're you're right in that it amplifies the 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 breach and civility thing. And that is an issue that mostly older white people care about. Yeah. I I I think one of the things with Will Smith that I was thinking about and kind of like talking about over the past week is that Will Smith has very much built a career off of being this very safe person who is like, he's a family man. He loves his wife and kids. And it was really, I mean, it was honestly kind of upsetting to see how quickly people were willing to drop that image of him in favor of like, I saw, I saw a number of people saying things like outright that were like calling him this dangerous, violent, abusive man. And I just, uh, that's not the case he like got upset right. and like did something he shouldn't have he's not an abuser and i have seen like the world's worst takes over the past week it haven't we all <laughs> twitter.com it'll kill your brain it'll do it god it sure fucking will yeah i i guess i think i i don't think we can reach the point of saying that it's off limits for a presenter at the Academy Awards to make fun of an audience member at the Academy Awards. <laughs> uh, you know, even applying that to a specific person, but uh, I, I, I don't think that Chris Rock knew. Uh, yeah. He said he didn't know. I don't think he would have made that joke if he knew. Yeah. Um, and it's still a disrespectful joke. It's still something that if Jada was offended by that joke, I would, I would be like, you know, yeah. absent of the LBJ, I'd be like, yeah. But um, I, I, I think both of their actions make sense and obviously are, are you know, uh, imperfect in, in, in other ways. Um, also, you, you can cut like a, you can cut like a bunch of this because like, this is not about the Grammys yeah. at all. So there, uh, so there's one more thing that happened at the Grammys and then we'll get into the, uh, the, the other nominations. Oh, yeah. uh, the, they closed out the show with one last performance from the brothers Osborne doing Dead Man's Curve. I think they just crushed it. I, I think that was a really fun performance and a great way to end the oh, show. Dang. 
I ended up like closing my computer before that performance came on because I had been watching for like three and a half yeah. hours and I was exhausted. Um, but I'm now that I'm I'm sad that I missed it because I like country music and I'm I'm gonna look it up on YouTube Absolutely. after this. <laughs> see if you can. This this is <laughs> kind of a nasty joke, but see if you can figure out which one is gay. <laughs> Wait, one of them is gay. Yeah. Sure. It's a joke in that, like, you know, one of them uh, dresses very extravagantly. But <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I love them. And that's a great song. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just looking through the other uh, wins, the untelevised wins, and uh, seeing what's of interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Summer of Soul won Best Music Film. That's an Oscar and a Grammy for Questlove in a, in a week. Love to see that. I need, I need, I really need to watch it. I, I hadn't initially watched it because my mom had been like bugging me to watch it and I was like mom I love you this this seems like a thing that you're gonna be really into that I'm not gonna be so into but now it seems like a thing that I could be so into. Summer Soul Rocks and it's a really great a really striking uh documentary for sure I loved it I saw it in theaters and now it's on Hulu and Disney Plus. Um music video went to Freedom by John Baptiste which feels like a weird win I will say like just you know talking about the the snubbing of Lil Nas X I mean Montero won every every music video award there's 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 no question about it what the fuck so yeah and it's also just like it like I have not like again it was like it's one of the best music videos it just is it's just so fucking good yeah I don't remember this John Baptiste video um but I'm sure it's fine but it's just like Come on. I had no reason to think this wouldn't go to Lil Nas X, but I guess he might be. And I mean, of course, it's, you know, that much harder for, for, for rappers to get respect from the Grammys. Um, oh, I yeah. think Lil Nas X, even though he is like the, the big, one of the biggest pop stars in the world, I think he is still seen on that institutional level as a rapper for, and I put air quotes around that mm-hmm. for, uh, you know, a, a number of reasons that aren't too hard to figure out. Uh, oof. I'm part of it's the name, but Jack Antonoff, producer of the year, non-classical. I don't hate to see it. I, 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 he produces some ladies who I love, you know? Yeah. A, a very, uh, well-deserved win. I think he, yeah, has been nominated for producer of the year a couple of times, but this is his first time winning it. And he did, uh, he did albums for Lana Del Rey, St. Vincent, Taylor Swift, Claro, Lord, and his own album with Bleachers, uh, this year. So <laughs> good run. Yeah, a lot of a lot of bangers. Um, a lot of bangers out there. Love to see it for yes. him. Yes, composing and arranging awards. Just a, a fun one here. The award for uh, best arrangement, instrumental, or acapella went to, uh, I guess, a new orchestral arrangement of Meta Knight's Revenge from Kirby Superstar. Yeah, <laughs> I love that Kirby. I, you know what I would have yeah. loved? I would have loved if they had presented this one live. So a giant Kirby suit could have gone up on stage and accepted a Grammy. Yeah. That would have made me very happy. Or a real, this big Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that would have been so cute. I know they can't do yeah. that because he's not real, but I would have loved that. If only. If only Kirby was real. Hey, Kirby got a Grammy. That's good, you know, Kirby good for him. Grammy. Best song written for visual media went to All Eyes on Me by Bo Burnham from Inside. Sure. 
Interesting. I uh, that also got nominated in the music film uh, category. The nominees in this one, uh, Agatha All Along was nominated. The her song from Fi- from Judas and the Black Messiah was nominated. I thought that was going to win. But yeah, a, a win for Bo Burnham is all right. I would definitely say that I think uh, Welcome to the Internet is a better written song, but yeah. <laughs> if that's what it's going to be, then sure. I, I, I will say I would have liked it if he was nominated for Best Comedy Album for Inside. And also hmm. I would have liked it if, if that had won and anything but Louis C.K. had won. Yeah. Uh, best soundtrack for visual media, a tie between Queen's Gambit and Soul. That's another John Baptiste win. Wow. <laughs> It's really sweeping them. Musical theater album went to uh, the unofficial Bridgerton musical. Hell yeah. The, like tick- Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of love that. I have to be honest. I think that, yeah. I think that's kind of great. Yeah. A fucking TikTok I, I, musical winning a Grammy. That's what we love to see. Yeah. I don't really know these other, I mean, the other one that I know on here is Les Mis, but it's just like a concert staging and I I am certainly glad. Wait, wait, hold on. Was the is the Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella the god awful um C- Camilla Cabello Cinderella? No, that was the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This one has. A, I was about to say this one has. This one has a book by Emerald Fennell. Oh. Huh. Huh. Okay. But yeah, uh, TikTok musical winning a Grammy is a is a good thing. <laughs> Uh, Los Lobos won Best Americana Album. I, I did like that album a lot. Uh, Best American Roots Song went to John Baptiste. <laughs> Best American Roots Performance also went to John Baptiste. They're really loving John Baptiste. They're loving the guy. Uh, oh, Esperanza Spalding won the Jazz Vocal Album Award. She like she had famously won uh, Best New Artist up against like bieber and some other big names so so, you know i like to see them still giving her props because she's still doing great stuff in the rap category rap album went to tyler the creator for call me if you get lost i guess they didn't know he was going to win but it's insane that they wouldn't uh, have have that be part of the show yeah i i did see a lot of um very angry kanye west fans on twitter but that is the general state of kanye west fans so i am it's true and i mean like yay won two of these like like, like yeah. he won best rap song for jail and best melodic rap performance for hurricane so like yeah okay he didn't have the best album <laughs> like that's fine and i do think uh i think jail's a good win i think uh hurricane is is not my favorite but like sure i would like to see that go to industry baby if, if we were doing a if we were doing a little nas x war that would have been good to say yeah yeah it's a good song progressive r&b album which is just sort of for like sort of a broad category it went to lucky day for table for two which is definitely a good album but this is the category where it's like hiatus coyote is in here and like terrace martin who's like obviously makes jazz is for some reason in the progressive r&b category they just put whatever in here still a good win r&b song went to leave the door open part of their sweep uh, um, traditional R&B performance went to Fight For You by Her, which somehow didn't win the uh, Song for Visual Media Award, but it won the, the, the R&B Performance Award. Uh, R&B, traditional R&B performance, the R&B Performance Award was a tie between Jasmine Sullivan for Pick Up Your Feelings and Silk Sonic for Leave the Door Open. <laughs> if they needed to give that, I don't know if they needed to tie that one. I think they could have just given it to Jasmine Sullivan. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there, there's no accounting for the votes, but uh, 
I, I think the Silk Sonic suite is, sweep is a great thing. It's funny because like sweeps are actually something that happens at the Grammys like pretty often. I think Foo Fighters also swept this year. Uh, so like, you know, it, it can, it, it happens a lot, but like I, the fact that they pointed it out, I was like, hell yeah, they got the queen sweep. <laughs> they just seemed so happy about it. Like it was as much as I, like, there are some awards where I wished, you know, something different had happened or at least, you know, my, my earlier point of, I just wish Lil Nas X had won one award. That would have been nice. Um, I, I was like, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't help but fall in love with them. I was like, I love these two guys. They're so good. They're two good guys. Yeah. I'll also point out that uh, that was a category that Bieber lost to two people. So, so that's pretty good. <laughs> he double lost For, it. Um, absolutely no one can see this but besides Rocky, but I am currently fist pumping really obnoxiously. <laughs> yeah, for the, for the crowd at home. Uh, he finally got that R&B <laughs> nom, but uh... <laughs> great stuff. Uh Alternative music album, another category. They just put whatever in there. It went to St. Vincent for Daddy's Home. Sure. Yeah, sure. Good win. Stacked category. You got Fleet Foxes, Halsey, Japanese Breakfast, and Arlo Parks in here. Uh, I would probably say St. Vincent had the weakest of these albums, but like I'm, I'm down for down for a win from her. I would have loved to see Halsey take that one. Uh, as I said, uh, Foo Fighters swept their three nominations in the rock categories. They got rock album, rock song, and rock performance. And that's that's good to see. You know, they're obviously going through it right now. So good on them. And Weezer surely did get nominated for best rock song. <sighs> Weezer was nominated for best rock song for all my favorite songs from their album, <laughs> uh, OK Human. Here's the thing. Weezer did two albums last year and one of them was like a was like a shreddy like hair metal album and one of them was like a Brian Wilson chamber pop album. And all my favorite songs is from the Brian Wilson album. <laughs> so it's like if you're going to give them and I feel like that's a thing with these Grammys categories where they'll give them to like songs that fit the best into those categories. So it's like if you're going to give Weezer something, why do it from to be fair? the the Van Weezer, the other album is not very good and uh okay human is pretty good <laughs> so like to that extent I I get it but I I did just google what awards Weezer has and their only Grammy is for best music video in 2009 which is sure yeah I guess they uh they got it for the Portrait Beans video <laughs> that's funny <laughs> wait they got it what did they get it for they got it for the pork and beans video, which was, uh, which had a bunch, of, it was a sort of a meme centric video. Tazon Day was in it. It was very, you know, all, all the 09 memes. They were nominated for a uh, rock album for the white album, which might be a deserved win in my opinion. Let me, I mean, they didn't win, but like, I like that album a lot. Let's see what the other nominees were. It went to Cage the Elephant. Yeah, I would give this to Weezer. Fucking Death of a Bachelor was up that year. Give it to Weezer. And then, yeah, Metal Performance went to Dream Theater, which, fine. That's a good category. I probably would have given it to Rob Zombie for his song, which is called The Triumph of King Freak, A Crypt of Preservation and Superstition. (laughs) That's the title of my autobiography. I just found the title of my autobiography. (laughs) The Triumph of King Freak. I want that tattooed across my back, Jared Leto Joker style. Yes. Love this. Love Rob Zombie. Love to see him on his, on his, on his bullshit as always. There was a pop solo performance also went to driver's license. That was uh, Olivia Rodrigo's third win. 
and then uh, traditional pop vocal went to uh, the Tony Bennett Lady Gaga. Yeah. Oh, I will say we did not mention this earlier, but I mean, this is kind of a given. BTS did not win for their one Grammy that they were nominated for, for um, the, the group pop performance. And again, there were a lot of very upset fans on on Twitter and um, hashtag scammies has, in, has been in my Twitter trending for the past two days. I did see that at a point. It's, it's insane. Cause like, what do they think? Like, how do they think the Grammys work? I know that's something that everyone says where it's like when someone they like doesn't win, it's like, oh, it's rigged. But like, people vote, you know? Yeah. Sorry they can't help it that they like invite them to perform because everyone loves to see them perform and then they don't win because something else won. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, also just like, Kiss Me More is just so good. Yeah. The banger. You know, butter's butter's good, but uh, I, you know, I look at this category. It's like the Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga song would have been a, an easy win. Uh, yeah. yeah. The other two, I don't know. I like that Coldplay song fine, and I like this Bieber song also. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably between butter and Kiss Me More. But like, what can you do? Yeah, I, I I will say that like one of the things that I think would be really funny if I I I really hope I'm not like Apollo gift of prophesying this into existence, but like if if the BTS fans had gone full like Donald Trump stop the steal with the Grammys, (laughs) if there were somehow like if we're somehow able to view the counting of the Grammys, that would definitely happen. (laughs) I just like it would be very funny. It's a lot like how things turned out with the fan voted Oscar categories, where it was, <laughs> I think, I think the, the cheer moment thing was a disaster, but I think the fan favorite film category went perfectly and they should do it every year and not change anything. <laughs> I was like, definitely with everyone on the side of like, you know, this is a dumb idea. We shouldn't do it. But then when it came out and it was like number five, tick, tick, boom, number four, Spider-Man, number three, the Johnny Depp movie. No one saw number two, um, (laughs) Cinderella, number one, Zack Snyder's army of the dead. (laughs) Okay. As much as I fucking hate Jared Leto, you know what I would love to happen next year? Yeah. Michael, Michael Morbius wins. Dr. Mike. (laughs) We got to stay in touch with Dr. Mike Morbius. (laughs) And that's something, (laughs) that's something where it could be like, I don't know if like the Morbius Discord community will have like, (laughs) will have flourished by then or shrunk. But I think that is something that like, people from all quadrants can come together and say, let's get this Twitter fan voted Oscar to go to Morbius. <laughs> I will say that I, I don't know any people who have now joined the, the illustrious ranks of the Morbius Discord server, but uh, I have seen- The Discord sh- community. Oh, the Discord community. <laughs> I apologize. Um, um, but I, I do know a lot of people who are like, I mean, we've been making jokes about it all, all night, like who were kind of like ironically into it and are like are into it because it's kind of like a weird, insane movie and because Jared Leto was a weird, insane guy. Yeah, I was fully like on the train of doing that. I'm really into Morbius bit and then they kept delaying it and they delayed it just enough where I was like, I like fell off of it. <laughs> but <laughs> My one last Morbius hot take is that as um, a noted vampire aficionado, I do not like that Jared Leto got to be a vampire. 
I, 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 I don't care for it. Vampires are sexy. Well, I, I don't want them that... associated with Jared Leto. The thing with Morbius is that he's the living vampire. <laughs> that is so fucking dumb. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's a living vampire. Like, Just make him an actual vampire, for fuck's sake. In the, in, the com- <laughs> in the comics, I think it's like we have all these actual vampires. And so the difference with this guy is that he's a living vampire and he like got vampire abilities in a superhero way but like he's the living he's morbius the living vampire i wonder if dr michael morbius knows anything about him (laughs) (laughs) i also love that he's a doctor that he's a vampire and also a doctor who has to like interact with blood all the time yeah yeah i'm sure they have a lot of fun with that in morbius the living vampire. Simone, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> thank you for, for letting me yell about Louis C.K. for way too long. This has been an illuminating discussion of the Grammy Awards. Overall, like I said, I think they have hit on a good tone for award shows, and there are some ideas in there that uh, other award shows could stand to uh, pick up on. Um, but also... Uh, a, a real de-emphasis on the actual awards that in the long run could be like, why are we even doing this? Yeah. I, I would have enjoyed the Grammys a lot more if I had not had to watch 30 minutes. Oh, wait, no, it, like a full hour of advertisements. Yeah. And there was, yeah. I, I, I did not touch on this earlier because this was on my live tweets and you did not see this ad, but... um. I remember this very specifically. After BTS's performance, there was a Lululemon ad, and the ad began with a shot of a woman's feet, and the caption, we need to talk about women's feet. (laughs) And I just, like, (laughs) entire ad just, like, crying with laughter, and, like, it it was, like, a Lululemon ad directed by Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Yeah, that's really in conflict with my latest song parody, We Don't Talk About Women's Feet. <laughs> you know what? I think I think that's the song. You know what's going to happen is, is um, Quentin Tarantino is going to hear you um, singing about how we don't talk about women's feet. And he's going to he's going to confront you and he's going to say, how dare you? We have to talk about women's feet. Yeah, he's going to he's going to take a flight over here. He's going <laughs> to wag his finger at me. But oh. I will. Uh... <laughs> Is he's probably got like a weird long finger. It's gonna be <laughs> He wags his finger at you like E.T. Yeah, it sort of flops around. Phone home. We are painting such a picture of Quentin Tarantino here on Pulp Friction. We're on a show called Pulp Friction. <laughs> you know what? I don't care. I hope, you know what? I don't, as much as I might one day hope to be a famous actress, if Quentin Tarantino hears this and he decides not to cast me, that's fine. I don't need to be in a movie that's 90% shots of my feet. <laughs> Sorry, still going. You who have followed us on this journey, 
and I, I don't know how long the final episode will be, but I imagine it'll still be pretty long. Uh, thank you. If you liked it, <laughs> if you were a real fan of what we had going on here, uh, you can support us by subscribing to my Substack at uh, Rocky's Takes dot substack.com um slash subscribe or <laughs> you can uh share it with your friends just you know social media in person tell people about the show tell people you like the show it's one of the best things you can do and as always i will see y'all next week I disagree, Gary. I disagree, Gary.